Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 10 of the Everyday Enthusiast podcast, Selfishness for the Holidays. I am Chris, your Everyday Enthusiast, and here I like to talk about some of the things that interested me the most over the last week. Before we get started, I just wanted to say that this podcast is available on most major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, Overcast, and many others. If you want to like, rate, and subscribe where applicable, that would be greatly appreciated. I can also be reached at everydayenthusiastpodcast at gmail.com. No dots, dashes, or spaces. Again, that's everydayenthusiastpodcast at gmail.com. All right, on with the show. So diving into our fun section here, first thing I want to talk about is just a warning. This is going to be a longer episode, much longer than most. There's a lot of stuff I want to talk about today. And uh, it's a little fitting since it's the 10th episode. Uh, I want to talk about that for just a second and dwell on it a little bit here. So uh, I know that 10 episodes still makes this podcast very much in its infancy, but it's a big deal for me. I never thought that I would do anything like this and to now have hit double digits is just amazing. Um, I want to say thanks to the, well, couple of you that, that listen. Hopefully there will be more listeners in the future. Uh, also, uh, the reference in the title, just a little tidbit here, is to the fact that I talk a lot in this episode about things that I want. You know, do this, do that. What certain companies should and shouldn't do. It just might come off a little bit selfish. The next quick note here is just on the holidays and a little bit on next week's episode. So uh, I'm anticipating that news might be a little bit light next week. So because of the holidays. So there are a couple of topics uh, in next week's episode that were from this week and actually one that I believe was a few weeks ago that I wanted to talk about. So just a heads up, okay? Uh, Also, in reference to the holidays, I will be traveling a a little bit to visit family and whatnot. Um, There's a lot of parties and events and everything like that. I am going to try to do a regular episode and release that on, uh, well, next Monday. Uh, But it could be a day early, a day late. I'm really not sure. But I'm going to try. I don't want to break this streak here. Like I said, I'm hitting double digits here, 10 episodes, and I want to keep that going. So check back here uh, or, you know, subscribe. That's the best way to get these, uh, these episodes, okay? Okay, so diving into the meat and potatoes of the episode here. This is still our fun section, uh, follow-up updates and notes. Uh, And what I want to talk about here is the show notes. So first and foremost, I want to talk a little bit about the show notes for this podcast. For some reason, they look terrible on most all podcast platforms. Now, I use Overcast, and they are completely useless there. None of the formatting is transferred over from Anchor, so it's just a jumbled mess, and there are no links whatsoever. So you can't click through to any of the articles that I reference. And I say, you know, I'll say, like, you know, look at the, or follow the article or the link below and, you know, read the article for yourself, but you can't do that. On Apple Podcasts, there are links, uh, or one big link, I can't really tell, but again, none of the formatting makes it over, so it just looks terrible. Um, on Spotify, it's the same as Overcast. All of the, everything gets pushed together and there are no links whatsoever. So there could be something that I'm supposed to do here that I'm missing when I'm submitting everything to Anchor or, or you know, formatting the, the show notes. I really don't know. So how do I fix this? 
the easiest way I figured was to use a blog to host all of the show notes and just provide a link to a separate post for each episode. Now, I don't think uh, this will solve the lack of links in, say, Overcast or, or Spotify, but if it's only one string of characters, if it's just, you know, the one link there, it'll be easy enough to copy and paste it into a browser. This way you can get to the notes and the links for each episode. Uh, I have chose to use, it's called subtle.com. I believe it's pronounced subtle.com as the blog to host the post. It's spelled S-V-B-T-L-E. Go figure. Um, I've always liked the minimalistic design uh, and it is pretty easy and, and pretty cheap. Uh, so, you know, I wanted something that, that, that kind of I owned, so I did pay. But, um, you know, I, I did consider something free like Tumblr, but with all the, the news surrounding Tumblr lately and, and everything, it may not be around for very long. Who knows? At any rate, I'm still not 100% sold on Subtle. I know a lot of you might say do, uh, you know, WordPress or... Um, Oh, geez, I don't know, like Squarespace or something like that. And those are great options. I've looked into those. They're a little bit more expensive. Uh, that's not a huge deal breaker for me, but I just like how simple and easy subtle is to use. So if you have any suggestions on better blogging platforms to use, please shoot me an email, but do so sooner rather than later because... You know, we're at 10 episodes now, 10 or 15 posts, not that big of a deal to transfer over, but when you get up to maybe 40 plus, it might take me a bit of time. So anyway, let me know your thoughts. All right, so the last thing here in our fun section is something we've talked about in, in the past. Um, this is uh, iOS 13 features wishlist. Now, uh, I put this in follow-up because we have talked about this and uh, that is, you know, to say that some of these, look, some of these are going to be repeats. I get that. Um, uh, but you know what? It's my podcast. I'm going to do what I want. Okay. Um, I, I like to touch on these things. This is the fun stuff for me to think about, you know, what we could get in the next iteration of Android and iOS or whatever, especially iOS, because it's just so dull and stale, uh, in my opinion. So the video is from Everything Apple Pro on YouTube, um, and it shows a lot of different concepts, which is great. That's always fun to, to look at. But I'm also, uh, uh, it also talks about a feature wish list. Uh, I'm not talking about all of those, just the ones that I want to uh, that I, or that I want most. Um, so anyway, the first thing here is an always on display. I have experienced this on, uh, Android, uh, in the past when I had a pixel two for a short, short bit of time. It is amazing. Uh, we really, really need something like this, especially with the OLED screen on the, uh, iPhone 10, 10s and 10s max. Um, it would take virtually no, I say virtually no power to do it, but I mean, I'm sure it's, you know, significant, but it, it wouldn't take that much. It would, and it would be very, very useful. Um, the next one here is complications on the lock screen. So this is kind of a concept where they take, um, you know, you know, the compl the complications that they put on the Apple watches. Those would be so, so useful and so easy as like a notification on the, uh, the lock screen of the iPhone. This would be amazing. It would tell you that you have email without, 
right, you, you could maybe choose to show a complication as opposed to all the notifications of your email. You know, it could have a, a little, you know, envelope and maybe a four or five to show that you have five emails or something like that. Uh, as opposed to showing uh, a stack of five different emails. And, or maybe you could long press on those complications and get into the actual uh, you know, emails that you need to go through. Uh, the next thing I wanna talk about here, I'm trying to run through these because this is gonna be a very long episode, is more apps on the home screen. Let me choose smaller app icons and have more on screen. On Android, you can do this. I think if I remember correctly, it's been a while, but you can choose to make the icon smaller or larger. Um, and this would be awesome. There's so much dead space between the apps, especially on the uh, 10s Max, which I'm using right now. There's just so much dead space. Let me use that. Let me have four apps across and I don't know, however many down. It would just, it'd be very, very nice. Um, so let's see here. Uh, okay. Oh yeah. So better yet, customizability of the app placement on the home screen. Now on Android, you can do this. You, I've seen a lot of people on YouTube. They'll have, you know, two columns on the left side and two columns on the right side. And it's like, there's a column on the center of their screen. That's just blank all the way down. Uh, it gives just, it gives us just a little bit more organizational uh, freedom, if you will, um, you know, to, to kind of make things a little easier for our, our own minds. And you know, that, that customizability, like I said, I think this would be awesome. Um, with smaller app icons, we could put more than four in the dock. That would be really nice. Um, move the volume indicator from the center of the screen. So right now when you click uh, volume up or down, you get this huge box right in the center of the screen. We do not need that. Uh, Android 9 Pi has the best implementa implementation of this that I have seen. Um, it's a bar right next to the volume rocker so that when you start pressing it, um, it, it pops up this little, you know, slider thing. And as you hit the, the down, you know, the volume down say, it will show the volume going down, but it's off to the side. It's right next to those buttons on the phone. Great, great implementation. They won't do this, um, but they should. So anyway, well, Apple won't do this. Uh, okay, so uh, control center access from the bottom, right? Uh, look, I don't have, I'm, I am five foot seven on a good day with some sneakers on. And uh, as such, I, you know, I'm not a tall guy. I'm not a huge guy. And I, I don't, I have smaller hands, right? Um, I don't mind the size of, my phone right now. Uh, well, I would prefer a smaller phone, but my biggest complaint is that it is so, so hard to reach the top of the screen with one hand. And sometimes I have to reach the top with one hand. My other hand is occupied, you know, holding my son or holding groceries or something like that. Um, just, you know, put it at the bottom, right? A swipe up from the, you know, right now at the top, if you swipe down on one side, it brings you one thing and another side, it brings you another. Do this at the bottom. If I swipe down from say the bottom right corner, it'll give me the um, the control center and allow me to change this, right? If I'm left-handed, maybe I want it to be a swipe down from the left bottom corner. Anyway, uh, dark mode. Uh, we've talked about this in the past. We will talk about this again in later on in this podcast and it wouldn't be uh, a wish list for iOS without mentioning dark mode. 
Okay. Uh, banner notifications for incoming calls. This one I think is such a great idea. It's something that I did not think about previous to watching some of these videos. And the problem here is that when you get a call on an iPhone, it takes over your entire screen. So you can't do anything else. And if you don't want to send that person right to voicemail, because if you send it right to voicemail, they know it. If it rings two times and goes to voicemail, you know, they weren't away from their phone. They saw that you called and they sent it to voicemail. I can't do that with candidates a lot of the time. I, I'm i sure I've talked about this before in, in previous episodes. I am a recruiter by trade. So I don't want to, um, you know, send people. And actually, I use Google Vo Voice on my phone. And if you send uh, a call, even if it's coming through Google Voice, if you send it to voicemail on an iPhone, it goes to your actual the, the voicemail of your actual phone number. So, you know, there is a way there that they could get your actual phone number. I don't want that. I use Google voice so that I keep my work and my personal separate. Anyway, that's a, that's a very specific, uh, item to meet, but you know, I feel like there are probably other people that, uh, that would make use of that, that feature as well. Uh, let's see split view multitasking on larger phones. Um, I, you know, the iPhone 10s Max is large enough to where even if you don't let me do like a quarter of the screen or a third of the screen on one side, because that'd be tiny, like this little tiny column, let me do half and half. Let me turn my phone sideways and have one app on one side and one app on another. It'd be very, very uh, convenient to use, especially if I'm like copying and pasting stuff for the podcast, you know, a link from Safari and drop it into Google Docs, you know, into my into my notes for the podcast, things like that. Uh, let's see, what do we have here? Night mode. Oh, night mode. Okay, right. So night mode for the camera, right? Um, Google has their night site and it is unbelievable. Apple should just rip this off. I'm not saying that they should like, I, I, look, all the, all the copying here from one one ecosystem to another or one OS to another only means that more people get to use these great features. I have no problem with Android copying Apple stuff and Apple copying Android stuff. Sure, you got to put your own little twist on it, but you know, please do this. Night mode is amazing. You can take a, a picture in almost complete darkness and you can see what's going on. It is unbelievable. Just, you know, Google night site uh, or Google Pixel 3 night site and um, just look at the, some of the pictures there. It's absolutely amazing. The next thing here, change Bluetooth device names. Please, 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 right? So a few years ago, I bought some light bulbs that actually had speakers in them. They're terrible as speakers. They work fine as light bulbs, but they're terrible as speakers. But it was really nice to have something up in the kitchen before I got an actual uh, Google Assistant, uh, Google Home Mini. Um, you know, and we listen to stuff there now, but before that I was playing stuff from my phone to this little speaker in, uh, up in, in the ceiling in a light bulb. Um, I also then bought a second one and put it in a light socket in the basement. But when I was choosing a Bluetooth device on my phone, they were both named this same thing. And I can't, because you can't change device, Bluetooth device names, I didn't know which one I was choosing. I had to just guess and then whatever, if it was the right one, great. If not, I had to disconnect and then reconnect to the correct one. Just let me change it, you know, 
uh, light bulb speaker one and light bulb speaker two. It'd be so, so uh, much better and less convoluted than it is now. Um, okay, uh, number row on the keypad. I think that's pretty pretty standard. You know, throw a number row, to, uh, row above the keyboard on iOS. Uh, CarPlay mode on the phone itself or, uh, well, in an app uh, or something, right? So CarPlay, you, you do not have access to CarPlay on the phone itself. When you plug it into a car, it pops up on the car. Um, I don't know why, well, well I'll, I'll tell you what, from my experience, CarPlay was absolutely terrible on our old car. We actually just got a new car. It's working fine. But on, uh, we had an old Jetta, not an old Jetta, but a 2016 Jetta or something like that that we're getting ready to get rid of. And it was so terrible. Sometimes it would connect, sometimes it wouldn't. I would much rather just use a mount in the car and pull up the CarPlay app on my phone. Just use it that way. I think that'd be a lot, um, less dangerous. I, I don't know. Anyway, something to think about. All right. See, I promised you a long episode and that is the end of our follow-up, our fun section here. And we're just now diving into the topics and there's a couple long ones here too. So the first topic we have here are more, uh, well, not more, but the hole punch phones. So it happened. Uh, we got our first hole punch phones, the honor with its V20 or View 20, I think, and the Samsung with its A8S. These were announced on 12.10, so last Monday, a week from today. Um, I'm not gonna spend time on the specs. These are mid-range phones. Uh, if you don't need your phone to do super heavy lifting, and most people don't, these are good options. However, I doubt anyone listening will be able to buy them because uh, they're only going to be available in China or so that is my understanding, at least at this point. Uh, uh, as of recording this podcast, that is the case. But let's get back to that hole. So, uh, so in 2018, it is all about, or sorry, it was all about the notch. Now, I won't say it's hard to find a phone without a notch because there are plenty out there. Uh, but there are also so many phones that have the notch. So many companies have implemented the notch. And it's looking like 2019 could be all about that hole punch. Um, I'm going to eat my words here. I'm sure. Uh, in in previous podcasts, I said that I didn't like the hole punch. Okay. Um, that it looked terrible. After seeing it all over the place, I like I say I've changed my mind. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that it looks good and you know, I don't wish that my iPhone 10s Max had one. I just don't mind it all that much anymore. It was the same with the notch. At first, it looked atrocious. But as time went on, uh, it just kind of disappears. It really does. Uh, for some of us, that is, I guess. Others might still think that it looks horrible. At any rate, uh, it's really not that bad. Uh, it's small in comparison to the notches, which is really nice, all except for the essential phone uh, and the OnePlus 6T, that is. Uh, they have very, very teeny tiny notches, which um, are about the same as the, this hole punch would be. And it's distinctive. It's distinctively not an iPhone. I think that some Android manufacturers are going to care about that the most or not, or not. I mean, a lot of them copy many of the features and designs that an I, that the iPhones and Apple in general, uh, come up with. One thing I think that I am, uh, 99% certain of though, 
is that Apple will never do this, okay? They're all about aesthetics, and this is completely unesthetic, if you ask me. Uh, they would presumably wait 18 plus years to be able to put everything under the screen itself before doing this. Now, let's wait three years and watch me be wrong, I'm sure, whatever. Uh, another thing I wanted to touch on quickly is the all screen claim here. Uh, in the case of the V20 and, and many others, there is still quite a chin on the phone. I know that I'm being picky here. They're not that that thick, really. But it's the same with the new iPad Pros. Apple stated it was an edge-to-edge -edge display. And it clearly is not. Uh, if it's not possible right now, just say that it's not and move on until you can actually do it. Anyway, I'm gonna move on here. I could complain about that uh, until the cows come home, but I will uh, digress. Speaking of that Honor V20 or View 20, the uh, next topic I wanted to talk about here is 48 megapixel camera phones. So in the press release for the V20 and along with Xiaomi, I think they released something too. I'd have to look into that. I don't know what my notes are referring to here. They teased uh, smartphones with 48 megapixel cameras. Uh, there are little details at this point, but we have been told uh, we should expect to start seeing these phones in the next couple of months, actually. Uh, and here is my complaint, or rant, if you will. The actual pixels are smaller than on normal camera phone sensors, okay? In these 48 megapixel sensors, the pixels themselves are smaller. And if you read the details, the pixels themselves use info from the pixels around them to produce the equivalent of 12 megapixels. So what's the difference? The same size 12 megapixels that is on the iPhone and the Google Pixel phones right now and a lot of other phones. So is this just all marketing speak? Well, yes and no, okay? The sensor itself is larger so it should theoretically be able to let in more light when you're taking a picture, meaning more info, and thus produce a better photo. But it's all being done in processing. That is uh, the catch here, right? And with all of these smartphone cameras, uh, there, is, there is, look, there is so much being done in the processing of the, the info that is captured when you take the photo that it's hard to judge the quality against traditional photos. The only thing I can do is look at the photos or that we can do is look at the photos and decide which we like better. Uh, don't listen to these crazy numbers, okay? Don't be enticed to buy a phone based on these ridiculous claims of 48 megapixels. So much of it is just marketing, okay? You really need to hold the phones, take some pictures, even if it's in the carrier stores or an Apple store or whatever, take some pictures and make a choice based on that. Or, you know, watch 500 YouTube videos. They're all gonna get made, right? And see what everybody else says. They're gonna take some side-by-sides comparing different phones too. Take that into account. Um, so th that is actually, uh, if the camera is the main deciding factor for you. Uh, for me, it very much is these days, you know, with a child and everything. So anyway, make up your own minds there, okay? All right, topic number three today involves the OnePlus 6T. Uh, well, 
uh, that got a little negative in in previous the previous topic there. So let's focus on something positive, okay? And that is a new collaboration between OnePlus and McLaren. Uh, they announced the McLaren edition of the OnePlus 6T. Uh, and that is the 6T that we have talked about in the past, uh, but with some small differences. Now, let me clarify here. McLaren is a racing company. I meant to put something in there explaining that, but I apparently didn't. Uh, it is a racing company. They do, I think, Formula One race cars. Don't quote me on that. I really don't know. I should have looked into this a little bit more, but at any rate, um, first, the first difference is the phone itself. It looks the same aside from some carbon fiber on the back, as well as this, I think they call it papaya orange coloring. This is around the outside edge uh, of the rear of the phone. It looks great. Um, on the inside, you get 10 gigabytes of RAM. This is crazy. It is absolutely crazy. Now, uh, what that means in actual performance, I'm not sure. Maybe you could have a couple more apps open at one time, but that's probably about it. But it's still crazy to have a phone with 10 gigs of RAM. That's more than I have in my MacBook Pro here. Admittedly, my MacBook Pro is quite old, but still. Um, it's still just insane to think about that, okay? You are also going to get what they call Warp Charge 30, which is to say it comes with a 30 watt charger that will give you a day's worth of battery in just 20 minutes. We should all be so lucky. Um, anyway, there's not a lot to say here. I don't want to dwell on it. It's a great looking phone. You should Google it or follow the links here. Uh, hopefully you'll uh, go to the blog and follow the actual links. Uh, it looks great with the increased RAM. I'm sure it'd be really nice, really speedy. Anyway, let's move on. The next thing I want to talk about here is still OnePlus, uh, and this is in reference to uh, some of their sales and whatnot. Um, that is because um, some more news has come out about the sales numbers and their new phones, okay? So the first here is the news that their sales are up 249% after partnering with T-Mobile. That is crazy given the partnership just started a couple of months ago, okay? I, look, the way I look at it, more sales means more funding for future projects and products. Um, I do want to clarify here. I'm not actually 100% sure if it is 249% up since the partnering or if it's 249% up in relation to last year's sales numbers. So don't quote me there. I'm not 100% sure. Look into that. But regardless, it is great news for them and for us if you like OnePlus phones. Now, one of those future products I was talking about is potentially a smaller phone. I could not be more excited about this, honestly. I actually almost bought a one or a 6T the other day. Uh, well, a week and a half or so ago. I went to a T-Mobile store just to hold one and play around with it for a bit, kind of look at the software and whatnot. And I was ever so close to walking out with one. But in the end, I, I have other things to spend my money on. And uh, it would have been irresponsible of me to do so. But this might just t tip me off in the other direction, honestly. Um, so the article says that they want to release a smaller phone, but they will only do that once they can figure out how to reduce the size of the phone, but still offer a great battery performance. Now, I'm not sure why they're making this sound difficult. I can tell you how to make 
uh, a, a battery better in a smaller phone. Make it thicker, okay? I have talked about my love for the old candy bar style phones of days gone by, all right? And this sounds exactly like a candy bar phone with Android on it. That is uh, unbelievable. All right, see, I'm getting tongue-tied here because I'm so excited. Anyway, this is what I'm hoping that we get. So as for everything else in the tech arena, don't hold your breath. They are making this sound like it's not coming anytime soon, but when it does, you can bet that I will have one. Just please, please do not skimp on all the features. Give me a flagship quality camera. Give me the same flagship quality processor you'd put in a larger phone. This should be a flagship phone, just in a smaller footprint, provided all of this even happens. This would be the perfect excuse for me to pull the trigger and jump into the Android community. Probably not exclusively, okay? I will, for the time being, have an iPhone. Uh, if for nothing else, then that my entire family is on iPhones. And, uh, you know, that lock-in, I think I said this last week, that lock-in is real, my friends. It really, really is. And once you're locked in, it is really hard to jump ship. But at least this would allow me to get my feet wet and kind of test things out a little bit. Okay, so topic number five here is Things 3 on iOS. Uh, uh, the app the app of Things 3, their to-do list app, just updated with a dark mode. Now, I'm gonna have to get a little bit negative here at the end of this topic again, uh, only to bring it back positive at the end of the episode, I think, if I remember correctly. So I've talked about this in the past, uh, my love of productivity apps, anything that helps me get things done, uh, like making lists and checking things off, uh, it gives me a sense of accomplishment and just helps me feel that much more organized, uh, less stress on me. Um, my to-do app of choice is Todoist. However, Things 3 just updated its iOS app last week. Uh, the one main new feature, like I said, is that dark mode. Uh, there is dark and then there's a true black mode for the OLED screens, again, because it doesn't use uh, that much energy. Uh, if it's black and it's true black, those, those pixels aren't even turned on. So it gives you better battery life, okay? Uh, I don't use it all that much. I have in the past. The main reason for me is the tagging feature. So you can tag tasks in Things 3, um, but you can't look at all of your different tags without searching for them. So what you have to do, because there's no section to look at your list of tags. So what you have to do is remember all of the tags that you've created uh, and you have to swipe down from the top and then you can you can type in for one you can type in one of your tags to search for it and then you see everything with that tag. In Todoist, there's actually a tags section. I can look at it and click on all the different tags that I've ever made. Um, side tangent here, update the update was announced on 1212. okay So what was that last Wednesday, okay? And I got that update the same day. We are now how many days out, weeks out, and I still have not seen that update that we talked about for the Outlook app, the Outlook uh, mail app on iOS. I do not know what is going on here. I think I said exactly that same thing last week. 
I don't know why this makes me so furious. I don't even know who to blame. Maybe that's what, what makes me furious. At least if I knew it was Apple, I could go, ah, oh, geez, they're holding back this update. Or if it was Microsoft, I could say, well, what, what are they doing? Why are they slow rolling this? Anyway, I just want the app. I just want to test it out. I like the uh, Outlook app for email on iOS. And I can't believe we're now talking two weeks and I have not seen it. All right, so while we're on the topic of dark mode and uh, Microsoft, uh, Office 365 also got a dark mode on Mac OS. I don't use 365 as we have discussed in the past, I believe, but I thought I would bring it up. You know, I'm a fan of dark mode. I have it always activated on my MacBook Pro. I'm hoping it comes to the iPhone. Uh, there is smart invert on the iPhone, but it feels kind of like a trial. I'd like to see it system-wide, but don't think uh, it will happen until we get a complete revamp of the entire OS with more customizability. Anyway, that's kind of talking about the iPhone there, but this was an update for, uh, for Mac OS, like I said. Okay, I am done with Microsoft stuff. So uh, update or topic number six here is, uh, is Todoist uh, again. Again, we're talking about Todoist. So this could be considered an update as we have talked about it in the past, but I'm reserving the right to make this a separate topic. Uh, the Todoist design and features are going to be updated. As I mentioned a couple of topics ago, I love productivity apps and they, they uh, are the to-do list app of choice is Todoist. And I have stated in the past that I think they are in need of a redesign. And it looks like we're going to get a slight, a slight redesign sometime next year. Okay. The video link is from the Keep Productive YouTube channel. And the other link, there's two links here, is a tweet from the CEO of Todoist. And what it is showing is boards. Um, now, this looks a little like uh, Trello, I think is a T R E L L O. They use kind of boards. Uh, to organize things. It's another to-do project management slash project management app uh, based on having boards of different projects. I have tried uh, Trello in the past and uh, well, it's fine. You know, it's a fine solution for some and I could have probably made it work for me. I didn't really care for the layout and the design at the time and switched to something else. At the time, I don't really know what I switched to. It, it wasn't straight to Todoist, but um, so we will have to see how boards are implemented into uh, Todoist here. But there is more here than just boards from the looks of it, from what I can gather, okay? And I'm talking a lot about this tiny little tweet here because I love, again, Todoist. It's such a great tool for me. So anyway, uh, if you take a look at the image in the tweet, there uh, is a lot to unpack, if you ask me. First thing of note to me is the round bubbles in front of each item. Currently on the iPhone, there are not round bubbles and there are on the computer app, on the macOS app. The only way to complete a, a test or a, a task on the iPhone is to swipe it to the side. I prefer the look of the bubbles, uh, even if others might think it looks a little bit busy. I don't think so. I like being able to tap on the bubbles and boxes or boxes to complete a task. The second thing uh, I notice here is subtasks, okay? You can uh, currently have subtasks, but it's not all that intuitive to set up. On the iPhone, for example, you have to create a new task and then edit it to assign a parent task. On the computer, 
you have to create a task and then you grab the six dots to the left of the task and drag it to the right under the task you need it to be under. Um, <laughs> it's hard to tell they that they're even subtasks under a certain parent task. The screenshot uh, in the tweet makes it look much, much better, even stating that they are actually subtasks. So those are the things that get me a little bit excited about this update. Um, there are still a lot of questions to be answered. First and foremost is when can we expect this update? They didn't really give a date just to say it would be out in 2019. This could be December of 2019, a whole year away, who knows? Uh, and the fact that it states that it's a very rough draft leads me to believe that, like I said, it's gonna be later on in the year. At any rate, I'm gonna leave it there. Uh, I'm just really excited about this update and what it might do for my productivity and you know my sanity <laughs> moving forward. All right, folks, that is all for today. As always, I can be reached at everyday, enthusiast podcast at gmail.com no dots dashes or spaces again that's everyday enthusiast podcast at gmail.com uh, you can also follow along on twitter username is at every enthusiast and on instagram at everyday enthusiast podcast as i said before this podcast is available on most major podcast platforms including apple podcasts stitcher google podcasts pocket casts spotify overcast and many others. Please like, rate, and subscribe where applicable. And until next time, stay enthusiastic.